0: guys, welcome to Lords of Order, a DC's Dr. Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. If you would like to leave feedback, you can email it to drfatefanpodcast at gmail.com. Leave comments on the Facebook and Google Plus Lords of Order pages. You can tweet me at Productions T-E-A-L, and bigtimenoise.com slash Fate is the website where I post the episodes. You can leave comments there. Our story today is a modern story. A very modern, as a matter of fact. It is dated January 2018. It comes from the New Talent Showcase number no. 1 that DC recently published. Dr. Fate had a nine-page story in it. Uh, it's about the sixth story, I believe, if I recall. And it's entitled The Cost of Magic. It's written by David Acampo, illustrated by Sam Lofty, colored by John Rausch, and lettered by Desi Cienti. Now, the story opens with uh, Dr. Fate in combat with a large um, werewolf-looking creature. It looks rather lupine, but it has other features, Um, nasty, nasty claws on its hands, uh, a rather long, almost serpentine tongue. It's also wrapped occasionally with uh, draping gold bands, almost like metalworks, and there are jewels um, on the body. Some of them look to be hanging; some of them look to be embedded. Now, there is a big green jewel embedded in its forehead, above its eyes. As it's attacking Dr. Fate, um, it is in the back groundish portion of the picture. It is also holding a human captive in its arms, in one of its hands, which are upraised over its head. Dr. Fate is, uh, both of these um, figures, the demon, we'll call it, looks rather demonic, and Dr. Fate are standing on a street somewhere in Salem, Massachusetts. We see people running around, smoke. There's an overturned car that appears to be on fire. Uh, some leaves, I see, have been drawn on the cobblestones of the street. Dr. Fate is casting something. Um, he's not voicing this spell, and it doesn't appear to be anything other than uh, concentric energy nimbuses that surround his two hands. But he launches this attack at the creature... And the creature does suffer such that it explodes rather violently. Can't really tell. I, I think what occurs is the blowback from that explosion uh, takes Dr. Fate down to his knees. But also he seems to be undergoing some sort of internal uh, physiologic uh, problem, which may be because of this explosion. Uh, the... Um, text alludes to the fact that it is a concept that has become very prevalent in Doctor Strange over at Marvel, and that is for casting magic there is a cost, uh, typically a physical cost. And so we're kind of led to believe that what we see Fate experiencing is the physical blowback of him using magic. What we see is he's down on his knees clutching his abdomen with one hand and his head with the other. He is surrounded by crackling and en- or not surrounded, There, there are lines of crackling energy on the different parts of his body as the figure is drawn, running down his arm, down his leg, over his back. But also in that crackling energy, I get the impression that his physical form is also becoming very jagged like the energy is, because... Some of the energy is colored white, which in my mind would be perhaps clear. Other of the uh, runs of crackling energy are colored as the portion of the body that they are running across, which in my mind means that his body is also uh, experiencing some sort of transformative effect physically. He pseudo-recovers enough to Get up, um, get away from the crowd that is now starting to gather Because this just occurred in the middle of everything And so there were witnesses And now that Dr. Fate has fallen to the ground These witnesses are, are coming out of their, uh, you know, hidey holes and, and places of cover Converging in to see who he is, what happened, ask questions, find out if he's okay You know, all these things humans normally would do in a situation like this Uh Fate makes it back to the Tower of Fate and calls out for Nabu. When he takes his helmet off and his two gloves in the next several panels, we see that he physically is indeed suffering. Uh, So much so that it even looks as if his body or his flesh were liquefying and dripping off the ends of his finger as he's standing here with his arms... Uh, down by his sides. He's talking to Nabu. He's looking in a mirror at himself physically. Uh, Nabu is giving him the normal gobbledygook that Nabu does to encourage f- Kent to be fake. Uh, we also uh, determine that this is Kent Nelson, uh, which is good in my mind. Kent doesn't like uh, the feedback he's getting from Nabu. Uh, ultimately, what he does is he takes... The, the helmet, the medallion, and the cloak. I would assume he puts the gauntlets here as well, but we don't see those. But he walls them up in one of the rooms of his tower. Le- uh, seemingly that he is leaving that behind him, because this does not look like a storage uh, area. He's got a pick here from where he's broken into the you know the wall of of his tower. Next, we see several panels of Kent trying to be normal. Uh, we see him shaving, where he looks, uh, you know, as about as human as a body is going to look. Several panels later, though, he's walking through the town trying to keep a low profile. He's in a bookstore, and a young girl who is there with her mother is running around and literally runs into him and is frightened by his current visage. And again, we see this situation where perhaps his body is liquefying and dripping off his fingers. As he's standing before this girl, the camera uh, point of view is slightly behind him. So we see past him to the little girl reacting to how he looks. Meanwhile, outside an energy thing uh, enters a black cat Black cat, as far as we can tell. The cat becomes rather uh, evil, uh, attacks a human, and in the course of attacking, transforms into this large, bipedal, lupine-looking thing that Fate attacked at the beginning of the story. Uh, And we see that it is up to no good as it is uh, drawing uh, the... Uh, drawing a reddish liquid from the mouth of the person that it attacked. Uh, killing it, I would assume, but uh, consuming its soul, maybe his soul? I, I, it's its hard to tell. It, it, it was not good, I guess is the point. Outside, the people in the bookstore uh, have rushed outside. This occurred right in front of the bookstore. Uh, rather coincidental, if you ask me. I'm sure Salem has many of other spots that this... could have entered a black cat, if that's indeed what it was, to, you know, to transform it. The young, the the mother of the daughter who was scared by Kent in the bookstore is grabbed up by this creature. And so we see then two juxtaposed panels. The little girl crying over her mother that was just snatched. And then a young Kent being counseled very, very initially by the figure of Nabu, because of that vision, I think Kent kind of is uh, is taken back, or perhaps that's um, I grew up calling it shell shock. Um, I apologize if that's an insensitive word. I, I don't can't think off the top of my head what it's called now. He calls out. Nabu's name kind of reflexively because he's kind of shrinking behind his his upheld hands. The rainments that he walled up in the tower breakthrough zip through the air and land on in Kent, transforming him to Dr. Fate. He attacks the creature, Dr. Fate does, saying out loud, I underestimated you before, creature, but you will not escape the bonds of Ma'at and we see tendrils leaving his hands that solidify into wrappings of uh, bandage-like quality around the creature with Egyptian glyphs on them. The creature is able to rip through these, though, and grabs Dr. Fate by the foot, and momentarily, I thought, was hoping he was going to Uh, Ragdoll Kent there on the street, much as the Hulk did Loki in the Avengers movie. But, uh, alas, I I was left holding the bag, as it were, as uh, Dr. Fate breaks free. But he notices in the energy signature of the creature, it's not something necessarily that he visually sees, but something he senses, I gather, as he is able to sense... Magical energies. And he sees amongst the energy that makes this creature is a glyph. And it's a glyph that he recognizes. And because of where the glyph is, and his understandings of magic, he realizes that the glyph means that this is another creature that has been imbued with magic to drive it into this bloodlust. And so if he can pull the cork, he can drain these other energies and this evil creature will become the much more passive creature that was the original. So he does this, Dr. Fate does, and we see spirits, it looks like, spirits leaving this body, almost like, and I'm sorry for all these references, but they come to mind and I try to be as um, spontaneous as I can when I record. Um, In the first, in... The uh, let's see, I believe it was the first Scooby Doo live action movie involving Shaggy and uh, Mr. Bean, the guy that plays Mr. Bean. When Scrappy was filling with the souls of the people that he had captured, you know, he was expanding kind of like a balloon. Well, this is kind of what I envision here, only in reverse, as those souls, which at the end of the movie leave the body, the body returns down to normal. Here we see uh, Kent kneeling, acknowledging the original creature. He says, I see you now, one of Anpu's pets. You were meant to guide souls, not to consume them. So this is a magical creature uh, that exists maybe uh, adjacent to our realm, or maybe it appears as one thing in our realm, but he recognizes it as this pet of Anpu. Now that we see it, it doesn't... Necessarily look like the cat that I thought it was originally. It looks more maybe Japanese folklorish fox. Um, the, Kent is then, or Dr. Fate is then struck by these waves of pain, uh, again with the energy appearing as two different things waves of energy on his body, but also perhaps it is transmogrifying his body he manages to get back to the tower sees himself in a mirror and when he pulls off his helmet we see that he is indeed undergoing a physical transformation because now he has very pointy fingers uh claw-like fingers but his flesh appears as that that would be described as being a zombie it 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 appears that his flesh is dead it's kind of greenish And it also is melty and runny. We never, in this form, and we have three or four panels of him in this form, he is never drawn with both eyes visible. Uh, One eye is always shaded or out of focus in the camera or something like that. But we see from uh, point of view of both sides, looking at both sides of his face at, at some point or another, and it caught me as odd that his two eyes never appear as two eyes. It's always one eye appears eye ish, and then the other appears whatever. It's not there, or it appears as just a dot of light, or you know these different different things. Um, perhaps that's meant to tell us that there is a a constant change going on as we're looking. I'm not sure. Perhaps it was just artistic effect. Won't know unless we ask Mr. Lofty about those panels in particular. Kent uh, places the Helmet of Fate down, or the Helmet of Nabu, actually, down on a table. Goes and sits on a chair that can only be described as a throne. And I, I wasn't aware that he had anything like this in the tower. But he sits upon it, tells Nabu to heal him. Uh, Nabu tells him, restoring your form will only weaken us. There is a great battle coming, a contest for order and justice in the universe. Kent says, I just need to feel human for a little while longer, and I'll do whatever it takes when the time comes. And then we have head text from Nabu. This is not anything he spoke, but it's what he thought. Of course you will, Kent Nelson. We both know humanity is not your fate. So, I I definitely wanted to take a second and talk about this. Just by chance, um, there are rumors of a very soon coming JSA book, which I'm very hopeful for A, and very hopeful that Dr. Fate will be in it. But also, uh, with all of this stuff going on with the, uh, what is it called, Metal, I I think is the the name that they're ascribing to the miniseries, or... The other um, story that is integrating the Watchmen in the DC universe, and I apologize, off the top of my head, I can't recall it. But those two storylines are going on simultaneously, both with very, very deep, far-reaching repercussions in the DC universe. So this upcoming thing that Nabu mentioned here could be one or both of those, or the aftermath of one or both. Um, so I thought that this could be a setup for. How Doctor Fate is going to be used when next he appears, which I hope is very soon. Uh, curious to me that both Marvel and DC have really fixated on this cost of magic concept. Um, I'm not sure why or really where it, it you know became a thing, but we see now that they're both using it. Makes me wonder for the DC universe um, is uh, is Zatanna gonna? Be like this. Is there any effect on Blue Devil or uh, Detective Chimp? Um, You know, so forth and so on. The Enchantress and just the the Magical Dead Man, who has a miniseries out right now, but it's completely not related to anything. And actually, in my humble opinion, not very good. Uh, The art is smashing. The writing is no. So it makes me wonder uh, long-term what this cost of magic will mean if other writers will pick up on it for their characters or not. All right, guys. Thanks for coming all the way forward to contemporary time with me. Next episode, I will fall back to the More Fun Comics 1936 volume, issue 94, cover dated November-December 1943 for our next Dr. Fate adventure. Catch you guys next time. Ciao. Lords of Order is a Teal production, and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative, 3.0 unported license.